Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We are neck deep in the power of preparation. I am looking at Mark chapter 2. We're talking about the paralytic man being lowered down into the roof of the house where Jesus was teaching. The house was so full, it's wall-to-wall people, packed out. You can't even open the door. They had to cut a hole in the roof and lower this man in. And I was just sharing in the previous part, this should be part four. In part three, I was saying that from the text alone now, we have to assume this man did not put up a fight about being lowered into this situation. That he was lowered into this multitude of people while Yeshua was teaching them the word. You know, that's, that's like, that's really putting yourself out there. That's really bold and expectant. And of course, these men were told by, by Yeshua himself, the faith of these men. After they removed the roof above Yeshua and they made an opening, they let the man down. And when Jesus saw their faith, all of them had faith. One, two, three, four, five. When he saw their faith, based upon what? The, the works and the efforts and the actual outplay of their faith. Y'all, their faith looked like something. We cannot sit at home and be, oh, great men of faith. Y'all, Hebrews 11, the men of faith, the saints of Hebrews 11, they were men of faith because they did something with the faith. They were not men of faith who simply believed something and did nothing about it. They responded with action. They prepared a plan of response to their faith. And so these men, the four carrying the bed and the one on it, Jesus saw their faith. And when he did, he told told the paralytic man, your sons, your sins, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And of course we know that there are scribes sitting there. Jesus reads their hearts like a book. He reads their thoughts because in their hearts they're questioning what they're seeing. It does not say that they spoke it. It doesn't say that they opened their mouths and and publicly questioned Yeshua. It says that in their hearts they were questioning, saying, why does this man talk like that? He's blaspheming. No one can forgive sins but God alone. And Jesus perceived what they were thinking in their hearts. And he asked, he puts it to them. What's your problem is what he's saying. Why in the world do you think this way? And so basically he goes on to say, just to prove my point, just to make it crystal clear to y'all that I'm who I say I am, He turns back to the paralytic and says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Which he does. He gets up, grabs his bed, and he walks out. And everyone there 
are amazed. They glorify God and they say, we've never, ever seen anything like this. Y'all, do we realize the gravity of responding to our faith? So, so I would assume it's not abnormal. I don't know. It was not normal for me for the majority of my life to pray into faith to be a man of faith, so maybe it is very rare. I don't know. It's new for me to really pray. I mean, I've met people who have, who are men of faith and like they're always thinking from the position of faith for things and like about natural things, kingdom things, you know, like, I don't know. That's, I don't, that's, you know, I'm not trying to nitpick who's really a man of faith and who's just a wishful thinker, you know, I don't know. Just hopelessly believing God's going to do something, I guess. Some magic wand God. I'm not talking about that. That's normal. I'm talking about like a Hebrews 11 faith in the power of God. And in this case specifically, and I just want to keep driving this point home. I think it would, good, it would be good for us to keep repeating this over and over and over and over and over till it gets through our heads. Do This question, do we realize in the same manner of, of, of what these four men did, do we have that same faith, belief, expectation that if we can get ourselves... And if we can get any other man to Yeshua, that they will be healed. And, and now be careful. Be careful not to just quickly, well, yes, of course. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I want to go a little bit deeper than that. Are you sure that your faith in the power of Yeshua is of equal expectation and anticipation that anyone in the presence of Yeshua Messiah will be changed, transformed, regenerated, washed, cleansed, purified. Do you really believe that? First and foremost, that has got to be an internal, personal, experiential reality to us individually first. How many people do we know that just have the ho-hum, it's, 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 it's like portrayed as humility, but it's really lessening the power of the gospel by just saying all of our own limitations. Well, it's, I, know how, I know how bad I am. I know how I have been. I know what I think about. I, you know what I'm saying? We talk so much about how sorry we are. I think we've forgotten how powerful Yeshua Messiah is. I think we, in our, in our, in our 2019 mentality of, of who we are as Christians, 
I think we have forsaken the rightful understanding of the power within going to Yeshua. Like the power, I mean, we're always talking about his name here, right? In our household, we're always talking about the mysterious verbiage in the scriptures about the power in the name. There's not power in the name of Joel. There's not power in the name of Jason. There's not power in the name of Martha. There's not power in the name of Billy and Bob and and Timothy. There's power in the name of Yeshua. Okay? There is something that is not just a a derivative of a man, of even a God-man. It is himself. He himself is the power. He is the power. These men, because at that moment in time, that tiny little blip of all of history, Emmanuel was present. God with us was present. Present tense, God encased in flesh was in a natural house. Now we don't have that advantage, if you will, but listen to what I'm saying, and may this make sense and connect. This goes back to the What is Man series. Everything I think about points back to that truth. What is man that you're mindful of him? Okay, who is he? Especially now. Now, more than any other age, pre-Emmanuel, Messiah, forerunner, firstborn of many brethren, now, those who are in him are as he. Those of us who are in him are now Emmanuel. I'm not sure how many people I've met that really wholeheartedly believe that. Most conversations I've had with people is, oh brother, it sounds like you're deifying yourself. Well, let's talk about what that means. I'm not deity. I'm a mere man in the flesh. I'm mere man. But I have surrendered my life. My life is no longer my own. I have been regenerated, born again, born of the water and born of the Spirit. I have joined into the Romans 6 reality of being joined into the death. Y'all, I was studying this two days ago, or yesterday morning. I don't remember all the stuff in Romans 6 that, like from verse 6 on maybe, that you hear all the time. My question is, presently, this second, are all of those things that we just hear thrown or be, we hear it thrown around in sermons as kind of for every man? This nebulous, well, if you're in Jesus, well, not even that. If Jesus is in your heart, then this is true. But y'all, if you read that with a critiquing eye, I think it's at least possible that we could say those things that are in the second half, you cut Romans 6 in half, the, the secondary portion of that sounds dependent upon those who have joined into the death. It sounds dependent upon the being born of the water reality. 
I would challenge you to read that through that lens and see if you feel that that's also true. Because to me, it sounds like the, the first few verses are the foundational groundwork of what the latter part of the chapter talks about being true for that one who has been baptized into the, in, in the water, born of the water. I don't know, just a thought. <sighs> Join with his death. And so without getting off track, the preparing of ourselves in anticipation and expectation of what? Of what can be accomplished through me as not myself. It's no longer I that live, y'all. Well, Paul said that. Well, that's Paul. That was Paul. That was Paul. Don't you get too haughty, brother. Don't you get too full of yourself. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. I'm telling you, I believe we are far more away, more guilty of thinking too little of the Messiah that is within us than thinking too much of ourselves. I'm saying I believe in maturity and in great soberness and humility that we need to elevate to the proper place that, you know what, Yeshua Messiah, he's in the house. And I'm pointing at my own chest. He is in the house today. Yeshua Messiah is in the house. And y'all, if we lessen that, if we excuse that away as, well, I'm just a man. Oh, I'm just a man of sin. I remember this old Paul Washer message that I talk about all the time still, and I heard it 10, 12 years ago, was he talks about like, he heard a, uh, uh, a preacher one time saying how he loved sin. He was listening to this sermon, this preacher saying, I just love sin. Oh, I just hate it. I, everything that I hate, I want, and everything that I want, I hate. And I just love sin. I just, I'm just waiting to be clothed in Beulah land and in white robes. And so, like, let's just hang on till the end. And, like, it's just a struggle. Well, like, his challenge is so true. <laughs> Washer's challenge. And this isn't about, I'm not a Paul Washer guy. I haven't even listened to one of his messages in probably five years. So don't brand me as anything, please. If that's true, if all we think about is how wretched and vile we are, there's a problem. If, in fact, we are born again, born of the water, and born of the Spirit, because we're lessening who we are. We're not prepared for anything. Who prepared me? Who prepared me for what we have branded ministry. Who has prepared me to prepare the way for himself? Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, Messiah. He has prepared a way for me to walk by being the trendsetter forerunner way maker for me. He has gone before me. I follow him now in a yielded will place of my plans are his plans. I want to go where he goes. I want to speak what I hear eternal Yahweh speak. I want to do what I see him doing. I want it to be on earth as it is in heaven through my life. Why? Because Yeshua Messiah is in the house. He's in here. He indwells me. I am his and he is mine. I am hidden with Christ in eternal Yahweh God forever and ever, period. 
even now. And so I am a firm believer, especially in the last three months, that there is something of the Spirit of God working in me, drawing men to himself. I have been invited into the the privilege of being the the actual vehicle to bring men to God. Should it not be true? Y'all, Paul, we read this at, uh, um, with my son the other night about Paul's shadow and handkerchiefs and, um, what is it, not aprons, but, you know, robes, whatever. Healing people, y'all. Oh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's new age. That's, uh, that's pagan. I don't know what, what would we call that today? I mean, seriously, okay. I'm just going to use myself to make a point. What if I'm wearing a jacket right now sitting in my truck in a car wash waiting to clean up my truck to go out to work at 1130 in the morning because this is way more important than me making some money? What if? What if I told you that I took off my jacket and I left it at this car wash and I pull out? And some lady who has cancer touches my jacket and gets healed. Now, oh, that's ludicrous, right? Even to me, I would say, that's just, oh, that's just, that's ridiculous. Well, why is that? We do not expect, nor do we anticipate, Messiah moving through men in the way he did himself on the earth. We do not expect that. And that's one of the things I want to keep repeating in these, seri- in, the, in these parts of this series. In the power of preparation, as I said at the outset, in, I believe in part one, was the, the two key components under preparation is expectation and anticipation. Just like I used the metaphor at the introduction of, of this train of thought, is I continue, hunting season has several days left. I've been out a lot. I go out to the woods. I am, my, my emotions are stirred. Why? I am anticipating I'm going to see a deer. I'm stoked. I'm going to see a deer today. And I may sit for 10 minutes and I may sit for five hours before I see one. But I am sure I am out here. Why? Because I am anticipating and I am expecting to see a deer. And y'all, two days ago, I was sitting out in the friend's woods. I mean, acres and acres in. Just sitting in this little wooded area. I'm just praising the Lord, thanking the Lord for his... I'm joining in with creation quietly in my spirit about just being alive. And y'all, this this spike, very young buck, comes walking up to me. I mean, I could have thrown a stick and hit his head. And boom, goes down. And every time a deer comes walking up to me, I'm just like, I can't believe of the in- I can't believe the intersection. I can't believe the intersection of hunting. 
Now, I know there are deer everywhere, obviously. But like I'm sitting on a 300-acre property at 10 in the morning, and what I am expecting and anticipating is, is that a deer big enough to shoot comes within a 100-yard radius of me in the middle of thick, dense, old woods. I am believing and expecting and anticipating that it will come in close enough to my proximity for me to shoot it and bring it home and put it in my freezer. And y'all, already four times in the last nine days, that has happened. That weird intersection opportunity has happened. And so I'm, I'm just saying, like, every time, every time in light of me going through this mindset of asking the Lord to train me to be prepared, to be expectant, to be an anticipator of His work in my life and through me, this imagery of when I go out hunting is so synonymous. I'm like, God, this is it. I am going out giddy, expectant. I'm, I'm anticipating, oh my gosh, I'm going to see a deer today. <laughs> I don't care if you think that's foolish or not. That's what I do. And I just, and when that deer comes, I'm like, God, I want to be like this. Expectant. Expectant. I'm executing preparation. And y'all, that's what we see with these men. Cutting a hole in the roof of a house. What a ridiculous proposition. Why? Because if we get this man in front of the healer, it's going to be done. So we will do whatever it takes to get this man in front of the Messiah. And so y'all, are you that expectant? Are you anticipating such a move of God in your life that you will do whatever it takes? How often do you ask the Lord what he wants from you? I mean like really. I mean like you alone, on your face with tears and pain in your heart of saying, God, what can I bring to you? What can I give? What is it that I think is just right and for me and even a good thing that, God, you're asking for? A heart of preparation to be the vehicle, the vessel of God to display his glory on the earth. Something must be done. We must do something. We must say something. We must go somewhere. We must approach someone. We must, must do something that may look extremely foolish, be extremely awkward, and cause a whole bunch of attention. Are you, friend, willing to be that man? No matter what the cost, no matter how it looks or how it sounds, are you, are you sure that your heart is so surrendered and prepared for whatever the work of the Lord is in your life that you anticipate, oh my God, what are you going to do today?
What are you going to do today? In me and through me. I'm expectant. I'm looking around. Y'all, that's what I do in the woods. A squirrel drops a walnut and boom, oh, I'm on it. <coughs> Why? I'm expectant. Oh, I hear a twig crack. Okay, my eyes, boom, right there. I'm looking. I'm expectant. I am anticipating. And y'all listen to what I'm saying and then I'm going to close this part four of the power of preparation. Are we that expectant of the spiritual? I would say absolutely no. Unequivocally, no. I think the church is the epitome of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. We are not watchmen on the wall. We are not up late laboring. We are not prepared. We can't go out to the bridegroom because our lamps are dry as a bone. I'm just saying, body of Christ, wake up from your slumber. Arise. Be the dry, dead bones that come back to life. Why? Because the breath of eternal Yahweh God wants to breathe on us and resuscitate his body. He wants to resuscitate his people. Why? So that his glory fills the earth again. Through a people that are alive, active, expectant, anticipating. Why? Because we have prepared ourselves to prepare the way of the Messiah. Y'all, it's got, it's got to be now. It's got to be now. It can't be tomorrow anymore. Our tomorrows are disappearing, friend. Our tomorrows are disappearing. The calendars, the pages are flying, friend. They're flying. May we, may we not be found waiting anymore. Let's give ourselves to the power of preparation. Whatever we've got to do, whatever cutting the roof open of the house looks like for you, friend, do that today. Stop waiting. Stop waiting. Stop setting the paralytic man down and just, oh, oh well, can't do it. Y'all, we got to shake it off. We've got to be men. We've got to be rightful watchmen, responsible, mature men who are going to do what it takes to get to the Messiah. The time's now. Boy, am I convinced. It's got to be now. Lord, may it be now. The power of preparation. The power of preparation. Amen.